Hello, I am Katrina Collier, and as part of my mission to inspire all the people that recruit people to treat people better, I bring you the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited podcast. Here, you will hear from those hiring leaders who create true partnerships with recruiters, HR, and talent acquisition because they know that it delivers a better result for the business and a better human experience. May this podcast inspire other hiring leaders to create better partnerships with their recruiters and HR. And may it inspire recruiters to create true and valuable partnerships with their hiring leaders because people make businesses succeed and people matter. So let us begin. Chen, welcome to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Having joked about Chen Chan, yeah. now I just started and couldn't get your name out, honestly. Um, you've been beautifully referred to me by Heidi Wassini, and I'm so grateful for that, which means you're an exceptional hiring partner, of course. So I can't wait to talk about that. But before we get that, tell us how you sort of ended up in a career in design. Was it destiny to end up in design or did you fall in it to it like we do into recruitment? Well, so I've always been sort of creative inclined. I mm. started out as a painter and a sculptor. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but when, you know, when it was time to look for a career, it was like, okay, I don't want to be a starving artist. So <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> let's see how we can make money while being creative. And yep. at the time you know, going into advertising seemed like the sort of sensible thing to do. And uh, I, I was brought up in Hong Kong, did my GCSEs and A-levels, and I wanted to try a different system. So my parents were really open to an American system. I yep. applied to Boston University. They had a great communication school. And so that's kind of how it started. And um, I, because of my A-levels, I had all these extra credits. And in the mid-90s, there was this class called web design. Mm. And I was like, what is that? And so, you know, you know, this, this whole podcast is about challenging the status quo. Yeah. And my dad had always encouraged that and said, son, try new things. And I was like, yeah. all right. I thought I was computer illiterate because everything was sort of hand stenciled. <laughs> oh, yeah. Painting. And so um, I was actually <laughs> afraid of computers. And then when I took this web design course, I was like, this is the future. There's so yeah. much potential. And I'm so glad... I stuck with it because um, I've essentially been in the web e-commerce industry since the early 2000s, even before we knew what UI was, what UX is. And I think I've stayed in it for so many years because I really, really enjoyed getting into the mindset and embracing the empathy of others. And it's sort of like, how can I do this better? How can I help them? How yeah. can I make this experience, this funnel progression, friction-free? Mm. Um, and I think that's really how I stayed in it for over 20 yeah. years now. Because it's always evolving, isn't it? I can make a confession to you. You're going to get this because we're a similar generation. When I went to university briefly before I properly bombed out, wasn't for me, somebody said to me, this is in 1989, I'm doing a computer science degree. And I literally went, why? <laughs> now I look back at the QBDs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you yeah. should have been doing that. Yeah, yeah but yeah, like, yeah. truly, I, I mean, it sounds crazy to people listening, unless they're of an older generation, they'll be like, what are you talking about? There's computers everywhere. But it wasn't. So yeah. actually, you're absolutely right to have gotten at that time was it was still really new. Yeah, it was sort of pre um, sort of popular and all that stuff. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, I, st- I still love the UX. I'm sure you've seen the meme where there's like a path that the human wants someone to walk and then all the humans have just walked 
and cut across the grass. Yeah. And there's one I walk past every morning and every time I think of exactly the whole UI UX yeah. design and how we humans do what we want. I know, and I think it really, <laughs> I think you live it because literally yeah. this past Friday, I hosted a happy hour for my team. Yeah. And my place is quite hard to find. And um, mm. I literally had these photos step by step of like, go here, go here. And then I posted it in a WhatsApp channel. And one of my um, pro- product designers was like, Gosh, you're so effing UX. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. And I was like, yeah, I think you just kind of live it and breathe it. Yeah. Did you do it in reverse though, so they could get out? Uh, no, no. no. But I should think about that. Yeah. And you can have it a bit wobbly for when they've had a vino yeah. or two. But on that, obviously, the directions are Copenhagen. Yeah. So what's that been like? Very different to the well hong kong us where else have you been you've been a few places i have had the opportunity to work in boston in new york in london berlin and san francisco those were all big tech hubs you know and we'll we'll get to this i'm sure in this podcast later but um it you know because they were such tech hubs uh talent was everywhere yeah and when i had this opportunity from vivino to come to copenhagen um, I don't want to get into personal stories, but no, no, of course, there is a reason of coming to the EU mm. to f- fulfill some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, but I thought it would just be a great opportunity. And uh, Copenhagen is so progressive mm. um, politically uh, and also personally. And I, you know, I kind of said, why not? And being a single guy, you know, I didn't have any strings and anchors. Yeah. So I said, let's do it. And coming during a pandemic was really interesting <laughs> because, right. you know, I, coming, leaving America, um, there were so many political issues of, you know, how mm. to have safety precautions. Everything was politically charged. Mm. Everything was shut down. And when I got here in July of last year, I came after the Copenhagen lockdown, which ended, I think, in May. So gyms, restaurants, bars were all pretty much open, just at limited capacity. So it was like being free coming to Copenhagen from America. And we didn't actually experience lockdown until December. And so that was sort of like when I got back to what I had just left in San Francisco. Right. And, Except uh, for the extremely long nights that just yes, go all day. They are, <laughs> they are cold and long and dark. But mm. no, I feel so fortunate to have spent July till December almost yeah. free and being out and about. And it also And we helped. had Europe had exceptional weather, didn't it? Yes. This, I, everyone, I think not having planes up there really helped. Everyone kept saying, <laughs> Chen, this isn't real Denmark. This is not this normal. Isn't real Denmark. No. But um, no, it was just really cool. And it it also helps that I have an extroverted personality. So I got to meet people and make some really good circles before we had a December lockdown. So, you know, some gym friends, some um, harbor hopping friends, some social friends. So it's, I was very, very fortunate. I have some friends that, you know, are moving in America. And one of my friends or ex-colleagues, she's moving to Mm. Boise, um, which is in the middle of nowhere. And I'm just like, um, test good luck and just make sure you have your eyes and ears and everything open because yeah. you just need to make those connections and those networks even yeah, though you're you, in lockdown you do you have to be bold don't you at any yeah. time changing countries that's just it's off oh. absolutely so, so you were referred of course yeah by the fabulous Heidi who I absolutely adore um 
And one of the reasons is you are the only hiring leader I know who has sifted through, I believe you said 387, I just repeat that for people, 387 CVs, resumes, if you're in the US. I'm sorry, what, like, um, you're a hiring manager. What were you doing going through 380? And and really what possessed you and are you still sane? (laughs) Um, Luckily, I work for a wine company who sends you (laughs) cases of wine during lockdown to help with this work from home situation. Yeah. So, so you got better at reading them. Yeah. Yeah. It, be, it almost became like, a, oh, you know, maybe a glass of wine. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, the whole bottle's gone. What's going on? But no, I mean, in all seriousness. Okay, how are you still slim more to the point? <laughs> oh my God. It's a lot of swimming. Less and calories. Out. Swimming and working. Out. I still try to be really, really active. Um, I think that keeps your sanity, to be honest. Yeah. I think mental health and physical health is also super, Absolutely. super important. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Vivino is still in startup mode, right? And so yeah. all of our teams are extremely lean. Our people and culture team has to help every department with their hire. And so I took yeah. it upon myself to lead my own initiative yeah. um, because I was looking for candidates with very specific strengths in UX. Mm. And many designers today say they are versed in both UI and UX organically. Mm. Um, but I'm, I was and still am ready to hire specialists and yeah. not necessarily Jacks nor Jacquelines of all <laughs> trades, yeah. you know? And uh, I'm also a very anal retentive Virgo mm-hmm. who suffers from extreme FOMO. <laughs> and I didn't want to miss out on potentially the candidate. Who was a CV number 386. <laughs> yeah. And, and, then, and then just for your, for your listeners, yeah. um, you know, it's really sad because all of, out of all of the um, applicants, I've only made one hire. Yeah. And Actually, so, if yeah. I can be cheeky before you go on with that. Sorry, that was really rude. I told no. you I'd interrupt. I'm just a shocker. Um, usual listeners are like, oh, God, here she goes. Yeah. See, most of us would think UX, UI, it's all the same recruiters because, you know, we're a bit like... Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's the distinct difference then? I mean, I know what they stand for, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, for example, um, a lot of sort of traditional product designers... And again, product design is a fairly new term in the last yeah, 10 years. totally. And so I think a lot of people are still trying to um, put, you know, a finger on it. And because I've been in the industry for so long, mm. my personal sort of gut reaction is that, you know, UI tends to be more on the visual side mm-hmm. and they've sort of taken in um, all of the pre-synthesized research and usability tests and interviews yep. that researchers and UXers have done. And yep. they sort of then synthesize all of that information to make it really beautiful. Right. and. Um, you know, they are the ones that are thinking about a component library, material design, and design systems. Mm-hmm. And the UX part is really working with that research, sort of pre-designing. Uh, and, okay. um, you know, they're almost sort of saying, let's get the skeleton ready, let's get the ligaments ready. Um, and it's and then the UI is sort of putting the flesh on it. Yeah. You know, I, think, I, I like to use that analogy quite a yeah, lot. Yeah, that actually makes really good sense. I'm sure that will help. So I just had to ask it because yeah. you kind of, you kind of want to know. But you were about to say that you only hired one. Yeah. And <laughs> if you think about it, right, that's a lot of time put yeah. in. And, you know, I have been hired at Vivino to do several things, like to scale mm. the company, to figure out a strategy, to improve processes, mm. um, figure out how we could work better internally with our cross-functional partners 
And when you are in the minutiae of hiring and looking at resumes, you know, mm. it really takes away the time that you should be thinking about strategizing. Yeah. And it probably gave you some um, <clears throat> empathy for the old recruiter out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. However, you did find a great solution, didn't you? You've had your boundaries pushed, which is the bit I really can't wait to talk about. Go on, share what happened. Challenging the status quo, right? (laughs) And so, um, you know, Vivino, we, in case your listeners haven't heard, but we were really, really fortunate. Um, I don't want to say lucky because it was due to a lot of hard work, but Mm. we were very fortunate to close our round four of funding, receiving an, an additional 155 US million dollars. And the investors essentially said, we want to see product and marketing really Mm -hmm. grow here. And we knew from a company strategy that it was essential that our recruiting, our people and culture team also scaled. There's no way we can hire another 167 open roles on our own. And of those, about 50 are within the product and engineering sector. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we got the, uh, you know, we were graced with Heidi and Heidi and I uh, hit it off immediately. And <laughs> she's so I, easy to hit it off. Yeah, she's yeah awesome. absolutely. One um, of my favorite humans. And I think that's one of those, you know, prerequisites. And we'll talk about this also when I talk yeah. about this company that I work with. But I think it's really interesting that um, some professions you should have certain personalities. Yeah. Because you have to work with so many different people. You need to be really be a people person. Yeah. And so anyways, I, I got to, we'll definitely get into that in a bit, but I got to meet Heidi, we hit it off. And because I'm new to Copenhagen, I had to rely on her network. Yeah. And, I, you know, because we built a quick rapport, she kind of said, Chen, I have worked with this amazing guy, Nicholas Perdol. Mm-hmm. And Nicholas, I'm sorry if I butchered your last name. Only that isn't um, how you say it. Don't a, ask me, I'm Australian. <laughs> Uh, no, but I'm plugging him, right? So he should be happy. Absolutely. But he's the CEO of this company called Innerflow. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know, I knew that I had to work with external recruiters because it was yeah. just going to be impossible to hire 50 people. Oh, like I have about 14 hires that I'm trying to complete by yeah. July. It is March now. So I have a You'll lot of, I have a lot of roles to fill, um, in the immediate future. Yeah. And, you know, we like it's impossible for Heidi also to mm. do this recruiting herself. So it's crucial that she has to rely on some external recruiting partners. Yeah. And so with Nicholas at Innerflow, you know, their mission is to unleash the full potential of individuals and organizations by using anonymized case solving. So a lot of you are like, very what different the F- to a recruitment what the agent, F- right? That mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, I pose this challenge to my team on a daily basis, Katrina, which mm-hmm. is to challenge the status quo. Yeah. I hate it when people say, hey, why are you doing this? And they say, oh, that's just how it's been done. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's figure out a better way. Let's figure out a smarter way. Let's figure out a more efficient way. Yeah. And if I pose this challenge to my team, it would be extremely hypocritical if I didn't live by that philosophy myself. Yeah. And so when Innerflow said, this is how we do it, which essentially means, um, you know, they move away from the traditional screening of resumes and instead have applicants complete a task and then Mm -hmm. a behavioral analysis to see if they will be compatible to the work culture at Vivino. 
Mm-hmm. And so this eliminates any unconscious bias the hiring manager might demonstrate without knowing. Yeah. And you, know, you also had to do it as well, didn't you? I, so you're yeah, both so this, having to do it. This behavioral analysis is very unusual. It's about answering about 440 questions yeah. between 20 and 40 minutes. Did you do that with or without wine? <laughs> I did it without. And then when I hit end, I said I should have done it with. <laughs> So, um, it's better if you could do a comparison. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. no. Well, I think with wine, it might actually have been better because it's really just, it's like what comes to your mind first. Yeah, and it's trying. They put you in this time constraint because they don't want you to overthink anything. Exactly. They yeah. want you to just sort of like you know snap away and and and. Is that where you got that anal retentive Virgo from, or did you know that? Bef- no, don't I knew that, that before. I knew that. <laughs> I am. I am pushing. I mean, can I say this? Yeah, I'm going to be 45 this year, so I'm quite familiar with my, what you know, my own mm. personality traits, and yeah. I've had to deal with that with many therapy and um, <laughs> career coaching <laughs> sessions. So I'm quite introspective. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did anything surprising come up in your test then? Totally not on the questions. I told you I was going to go off on. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's fine. Well, okay, so here's the deal. Vivino is very much into diversity, yeah. equity, and inclusion. And, yeah. this, and Innerflow's and process... And inclusion being the really important part, isn't it? Yes. And, yeah. you know, this process checks whether a candidate complete a task, Yeah. whether this candidate fits the culture, regardless of their mm. race, gender, educational background and experience mm. level. Yeah, and it isn't cool. until the candidate has completed those first two rounds that I can then see their CV or resume. And, you yeah. know, I recently read um, Katrina, and it was like an, on a social post somewhere, yeah. and I hope I don't mess it up, but it, was, it said something like, diversity is a fact, equity mm. is a choice, and inclusion is an action. Mm. Yeah. And I think this process from Innerflow really helps achieve this philosophy without unconscious mm. and subconscious bias. Yeah. And, you know, this process really challenged my status quo because yeah. I'm so used to being controlling and having the information up front. And I base my decisions specifically on a candidate's experience. Mm. And, and, you know, being a gay Asian male not from this white country it already opens my eyes to equity and inclusion. Mm. But from this exercise, I realized that I could have potentially eliminated some non-native speaking candidates yeah. or candidates that didn't have English lit majors because I was looking for a copywriter. Yeah. And, you know, I might have nixed some of these finalists because they didn't fulfill that prerequisite that I had in my mind, yeah, you know, and because of this, because I was so impressed with this process with Innerflow, I really, really look forward to working with them again for mm. more roles that I have open. Because yeah. didn't you say it was something like you received five profiles and you interviewed three? So, it, so what I happened? Remember the results, um, but the results were yeah, amazing. We so Innerflow had a record-breaking number of applicants that completed mm. the task, the assignment. Um, they had 167 applicants. And so I sort of gave them guidelines on what successful um, assignments would be. Yeah. And so I worked with someone from Innerflow, and so they helped me bring those 167 to 23. Yeah. 
So I reviewed those 23 sort of top tier from the uh, prerequisites that I provided them. Yeah. And from that top 23, um, I narrowed it down to six finalists. Yeah. And of those, and so, you know, when we looked at those 23, and I got it, well, so I got it down to about 11, to be honest. I yeah. got it down to 11. We made 11 applicants complete the behavioral analysis. Got you. Okay. And then it wasn't until I saw the behavioral analysis and I could look at what did I grade them from the assignment and yeah. what did they get from the behavioral analysis that I was then able to say, from those two things, yeah. I think these are my tops, but yeah. I'm not going to decide until I get a chance to talk to them and also review their resume and CV slash CV. So from going through 387, let me just check. That's yeah. what I wrote down. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a ridiculous number. That would have, I, I don't even want to know how long that took. How long did the process take to go through those 2311? And um, that must've been like an hour. So there was sort of a, it took like maybe two weeks just to get the process going. And then mm. by the time we posted the job and it was really sort of like, Hey, Chen, how long do you want this job to even be posted? You know, mm. but yeah. I, so from the time I remember, um, they gave me the top 23 on a Friday night. Yeah. And Monday morning we had a meeting together to figure out of those top 23, who should do the behavioral analysis. Mm. And then, by Thursday, we already had the results and I can yeah. pick my top six. So that's actually quite fast. I mean, because it's a whole new process oh and you had to do a personality thing and, you know, yeah. it's like yeah. you're really working out what you want. But going forward, it's going to be so much easier. Yeah. But still way quicker than 387 CVs to hire a person. Yeah. And, if you, and like when I was doing those 387, it had to be outside of nine to five. Yeah. Because I had oh, yeah, my, yeah, you know, I had to do the day thing. And going through those resumes had to be mm. when we weren't having meetings and I could have a glass of wine <laughs> <laughs> to ease the pain. Um, but that was kind of the process. And it was yeah. just sort of, Chen, how many do you want to go through today? So mm -hmm. each day I would try and get through 10 to 20. Yeah. Which consisted of quick jump to their portfolio, quick, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's normally the first thing I do is like yeah. check out their case studies because I really like to see how they think. Mm. Um, and that takes time. Yeah. And now you've got a whole chunk of time back. Yes. But only because you allowed someone to push your status quo. Like, yes. And, and, I and I think that's where you have to be. You know, Nicholas was really great because he kept asking me, hey, Chen, are you cool with this? Chen, how do you, are you comfortable? And he was always doing a temperature check. And I said, hey, Nicholas, stop babysitting me you know um i if i want to try this and really yeah. really give it an honest go i need to trust this process and be yeah. committed to the process you can't sort of say let's try it out and then change halfway because you're not really going to see the benefits right mm. it's almost like saying um i'm going to try okay you know what um, let's try any restaurant you want. And then you take me to this really unusual restaurant. And when I get there, I'm going to say, instead of you recommending <laughs> the specialties, I'm going to say, okay, now that we're at this sort of unusual restaurant, I'm going to stick to my chicken and fish. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, Hey, go for the full experience. Like yeah. you, 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 you've already entered the restaurant. 
So why can't you just sort of like try the dishes that are known from that restaurant? And I think this is, this is kind of like with recruiting. If you're yeah. going to try a new person, if you're going to try a new process, you've got to be committed. Yeah. And I assume that is your tip for hiring managers as well. Like to actually trust something new. Yeah. So um, I know that you're going to ask, you know, tips for recruiters and tips for hiring managers. Like, well, yeah, for, for, whichever way you wish okay. to deliver them. Okay. So I'm like, not that, I, I don't have that anal with Tony Virgo thing. <laughs> so okay. <Him> and I. <laughs> My, okay, since we're already talking about tip for hiring managers, I yeah. really think that um, you've got to be committed. You've got to have an open mind, but mm. um, you know, what you gain from partnering mm. with, you know, really competent recruiters is that you gain all that time you would have lost. Yes. You gain back that time that you can focus on strategy. You gain back that time that you can, you know, really spend quality time with your team, your immediate team. Um, you've got to trust. You've got to be a little bit vulnerable to try a new method. Um, and, you know, for all those hiring managers, I will challenge you to see how you can challenge your own status quo. Yeah. And how can you give up some of that control to let someone else shine in Absolutely. their expertise? Yeah. You know, I've, and no disrespect, like when I say I've met PMs, I'm not talking just at Vivino, but I, you know, you know, Probably. I've worked... You know, I've worked <laughs> at Puma, at um, TripAdvisor, mm -hmm. um, Jet Setter, Wayfair, Pottery Barn, you know, mm -hmm. I've met a lot of project managers, you know, that can say they can do everything, that they are the Jack or Jacqueline of all trades that's product mm -hmm. related. They can research, they can do data analytics, they can do some UX, they can do some wireframing. But at Vivino today, we are fortunate enough to have the monetary resources to scale and hire specialists. Yeah. And so to hiring managers, that's what I would say, that's exactly what you should do. Mm. And so you should hire recruiting specialists. These yeah. people kind of know the system and they have their own magic. And you've yeah. sort of, I think, got to trust that they might even do it better than you. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. just because you can do it doesn't mean you should, you should do, do, it. do it. Exactly. You know, it's why I have a virtual assistant. Yeah, I could do the really boring stuff, but like she loves yeah. it. I don't. So hand it over. It's like, it's yeah. just logical, right? I have an amazing um, designer who does really cool illustrations. Mm. And I'm like, I know you love it and you do it really well, but I would rather you fo be focusing on UI. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> let's, let's, Let's spend your time and the company's money better. Yeah. Um, and Does he need to change what he's doing for a job? Or is no, not, no. Don't no, say that. No, no I okay, okay. That. He's amazing. Don't listen to this podcast. He's really, We're great. That he's no. really, really great. But, <laughs> no, but this is what I mean, right? Like, yeah, we have yeah, to yeah. Change, Especially while you're scaling, you need to um, really use your team members to their talents. Yeah. Um, strengths. Yeah, and, you know, we have a graphic design team based out of San Francisco and it's like, let them do those illustrations yeah. and, and all that stuff. Mm. Um, but then I'm going to help you, Katrina. You're going to shift to the other side. I'm going to shift to the other side for the, the recruiters. The Heidi of the world. <laughs> so all the Heidi's and you in the world that have been amazing. 
Um, you know, if you were to ask me what is one of the tips that recruiters, mm. you know, should do, and I think the first thing that I may have done in a very nice way yeah. <laughs> was to be like, so what's your track record? You know, what have Ooh. you done? You know, how have you Love shown it. success? Yeah. And I think that's how Heidi and I hit it off because we knew that we were just sort of like upfront, no, sh- yeah. no frills. I almost swore here, but... It's it was, okay. You know, it's like, I, I really I, I think, think Apple Podcasts gets annoyed, but everyone else doesn't care. Like, <laughs> but, no, I think recruiters, <laughs> you, you need to show what a badass you are. You do. And you need to show how you're confident and how you're going to make hiring managers feel confident working with you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we need results. And, you know, Nicholas and I, we, you know, we got along immediately as well. Like mm. Heidi, Nicholas and I, we hit it off immediately when we were doing mm. our, our, our video meetings. And, um, he's like, so when are we, when are you gonna, when are we gonna have a drink at the Vino wine bar? And as you can tell, Katrina, and as we've chatted before, but you know, I, I love my, my wine and my, my vodka mm-hmm. and my whiskey and all the beverages. <laughs> and I love hosting. I love hosting and entertaining. Mm-hmm. But I was like, Nicholas, we're not drinking until I have a hire. Like, this is- <laughs> but you're a great guy. But yeah. I still need results. And results, we're not, yeah. we're not gonna toast and celebrate until I have a hire. And so that's actually an extra piece of advice as well. Don't be overly familiar. Because it's really easy with you because you're an extrovert, so you're really yeah. relaxed. So it'd be for a lot of recruiters would step over. But I, I don't see enough recruiters going, I've placed this many people, I've done this kind of and, and their niche, hopefully, specializing and really showing what they've done. And I think a lot of that comes into that attitude of like really partnering, sit up partner, show yeah. your worth. Because well, it, as you just said, it instills confidence in you that they're gonna do deliver the results. I mean, who doesn't want to work with a badass? Right. Exactly. And um and I'm not saying everyone needs to be extroverted. Like um, oh, no, no, I just meant that I, over the line. For yeah, because I, yeah. I want to make sure that I know that <laughs> you're going to have varied listeners. And I've yeah. met gotcha. amazing, quiet leaders, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really results. And, and, yeah, and I don't exactly. want to sound too cutthroat, but because I've, you know, at one of my previous companies at Wayfair, mm. we started with a team of five. And by the time I left five years later, we had a team of 60. Yeah. And those were UI, UX researchers and copywriters. Mm. And, you know, sometimes when you're interviewing, and especially with like some of um, the less seasoned um, mm-hmm. interviewers, yeah. they'll, you know, they'll come out of the interview saying, oh, that was, that was a really nice candidate, right? Don't you think? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but would they challenge you? Would they bring something okay. to the team? Yeah. Like, would they actually excel in the role? Mm-hmm. And these are... And sometimes people are always so caught up. Like I said to you, Mm. I think one of the best traits a recruiter can have is personality and personable. But at the same time, it's not just clouds in the sky. Does everyone get along? It's what are you going to deliver? Are you going to give me um, quality candidates? I don't care that you're going to give me 20 potentials. I want to know that they're going to be like, three stars yeah you know three potential that, stars that's where it doesn't really matter with the introvert extrovert because actually it's about one-to-one yeah and that that communication because i'm actually a really loud introvert <laughs> like a socialized <laughs> introvert but like I, I you'd go flip around the room and i'd just stand still talking to one person that's like always mm-hmm. the way i explain it differently but it, it's like creating that relationship with that one person so that 
bet your hiring leader or the candidate so that you're bringing in the right people. Yeah. And then prepping them for interview and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it is, yeah, that side's not so important. I and, agree. And, totally. and actually, Katrina, you bring up a great point about different mm. personality types because mm. um, I think, you know, also really good recruiters will also have a sense of what personality type different roles need. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you're going to have very different leaders, but mm-hmm. then you might have very specific practitioners. Yeah. And um, I think it's really helpful when um, recruiters can sort of read that. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of what I got from mm-hmm. Innerflow's behavioral analysis, yeah. you know? And, you know, also what's interesting, Innerflow, they basically said, here's a copywriter role, here's a UX role, here's a UI role, here's a yeah. manager role. And they've basically placed certain behaviors for all of those mm. that they think um, good quality of those um, would deliver. And a lot of, I think there'll be a lot of listeners saying, I think that's actually basing a lot of bias on what a role should have. But again, I would challenge them, trust the process. Like you've got to trust yeah. that they've done all this research and exactly. all this you know, data sorting um, yeah. And of course, there's always going to be an exception to the rule. Um, but but that's where the interview process comes exactly. in. Because like you said, you're going to still see the CVs. You're still going to talk to them. Yeah. And that's yeah. when you, the other side comes in. So, yeah. Wow. You've definitely challenged the status quo. Um, if people want to talk to you and hear more, where's the best place to stalk you? Is it just LinkedIn or? Yeah, I'm at LinkedIn. <laughs> it's pretty much um, available and yeah. uh, it's not hard to find me. Um, no, you know, well, I'll, I'll hyperlink it in the yeah. thing anyway, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely open on LinkedIn, open to um, open messages. And just a quick plug, we are still hiring. Like I said, we <laughs> are on an aggressive scaling mode trajectory with yeah. all this investor money that we made that's looking to specifically focus on product and marketing and also recruiting. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I'd definitely be interested in chatting with you if you are in the UI, UX, research and copywriting fields. Fab. Definitely. I will make sure that goes in the notes as well. A little hyperlink. (laughs) Brilliant. Thank you again for all of that. So appreciated. Absolutely, (laughs) Katrina. Happy, happy new year. I know we're mid-year, but (laughs) all the best and all much success to your recruiting initiatives. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Hopefully you really enjoyed what you heard and have left feeling inspired. And if so, I would love your help to create real change. Please pass this podcast on to your hiring leaders and other recruiters and HR. Even share it on your social channels if you feel so inclined. But the more reach we can get, the more change we can create. So please remember to subscribe, of course, on your favorite podcast platform. And do come and say hello at Hiring Partner Perspective on Instagram, where I share behind the scenes of what's going on. Until next time, thank you. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together 
through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.